0: Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of The Binge Buster Show. I hope everyone has had a good week and a good, um, just, trying to stay healthy as possible with all this crazy COVID stuff going on. I know the world's crazy. I'm seeing all kind of stuff online where people are losing their mind over racism and it, it's all kind of crazy stuff. So uh, the binge buster show is going to kind of take us away from all that. And we're going to have a good time and uh, it's, I'm excited about this week's show. I've got two of my closest friends are going to be joining me this, not tonight on this show. We're going to be breaking down some classic wrestling and, and finding out some some old, um, telling some old stories, it's going to be a good time. And uh, without any further ado, I'm going to bring on my co-host, Chris Plano. Chris, what is going on?
0: Tony, thank you for having me back on. It's such a pleasure to be on each and every week with you. Yes, and God, what a crazy world we live in. I am so excited about tonight's program. When you told me we were going to kick it back to 1994 and some World Championship Wrestling WCW Fall Brawl, I was just tickled pink. And our, our special guest this week, I am just fired up for the show tonight. And uh, who knows, it, it might end up being a, a three-way dance in the ring before we're over with this evening.
1: I'm telling you, Chris, it's, it's going to be uh, it's going to be insane uh the uh, the uh, show that I have planned for tonight uh, and our guest, of course, our guest is a uh, is, he's been in the wrestling business a long time. He's been a been my friend a long time. He and I go way back. We first met at, uh, at my our good friend Jimmy Vance wrestling camp. And uh, from the moment we met, we just just like you and I, Chris, instant friends. And uh, I'm talking about uh, he's a former nwa north american tag team champion former aiwf world tag team champion i am talking about none other than mr drake tungsten drake what is going on welcome to the binge buster show
2: thanks tony thanks chris it's a pleasure to be here looking forward to uh spending a little bit of time with you guys um maybe touching on like you said touching on some 90s wrestling and and just uh, having a few laughs
1: tonight. Yeah, it's it's going to be great. Uh, but uh, you know, right now, you know, I, I kind of done things a little different. Uh, normally, Chris and I will uh, break down this crazy world. But I wanted to kind of get some of your uh, input uh, on this too, Drake. Uh, you know, it seems like every day, guys, we we turn on the TV, we turn on the news, and we got people you know, rioting and protesting and and uh, not wanting to wear their mask, not wanting to, whatever the case is, uh, man, it's just a crazy time, and this crazy time is definitely affecting our livelihood of doing our thing we love the most, and that's pro wrestling. Um, like, how, like how is this COVID-19 affecting you guys?
0: I'll have Drake go, go first. Go ahead, Drake. Okay, go
2: ahead. All right. Thanks, Chris. You, you know, it's been really weird Tony um, you, you know when all this thing it, it seems like it, it kind of hit all out of nowhere I mean one minute we're going we're living our normal lives The next thing you know we're we're cooped up in our houses everything's shutting down and it's it, it, it's times like I've I, you know I've never seen I mean I'm only 41 um, and I've never experienced this in my lifetime but I tell you it's um in a weird way and maybe it's not a weird way I don't know but it's been kind of a blessing in disguise you know yeah my wife and I both have full-time jobs so we're constantly busy with that then we've got to rush home got to try to get the kids fed you know we've got a six-year-old and a one-year-old we've, we've got to try to get the six-year-old uh, we had to try to get his homework done and make sure that he was getting a bath and then the, the one-year-old make sure he was getting in bed. The six-year-old's involved in hockey, so we were on the go two days a week with that. Plus, we were season ticket holders of our local uh, hockey team. We were always at the games. Um, I mean, I was was still wrestling, and then all of a sudden, boom, it stops. And and you're forced to spend more time at home, but I can honestly say that it hasn't been a bad thing. It's made me truly realize what, what's more important in life you the going and the doing or what you got there at home. Right. And it's, uh, it's, it's been fantastic. I mean, I've, I've literally watched my one-year-old, you know, grow up. I mean, I'm working from home right now and I'm watching him grow up daily and I'm loving it. You know, it, it's, I think there, I think there's a silver lining in all this that's going on with the COVID. I think people just need to open their eyes and see what that, that silver lining really is. Yeah, I agree
1: with you, uh, Chris. What about you? How how I mean, I know you, you and I talk each week, but uh, any any new um, you know any any new thing in your life as far as this COVID nineteen? Are are you still doing things kind of normal?
0: I mean, I'm you know obviously I am back in the office working now. I was working you know from home for probably about 10 weeks, now I am back in the office, and it's a whole lot different. I mean, we're kind of just a skeleton crew. It's kind of a really eerie feeling. It's tough to really put your thumb on it to say, like, wow, like, what's going on here? We know what's going on, but it's like, wow, is this really happening kind of thing? And, you know, walking around with masks, I got people walking around with gloves on, and, you know, know, I live right in Charlotte, Tony, as you know, and, and just today they announced Starting tomorrow, restaurants will be closing at 11 o'clock starting tomorrow. They're cutting off alcohol sales here. Um, Charlotte is really hit pretty bad here in the state of North Carolina. It's a big state, but, you know, Charlotte and Raleigh are the toughest-hit areas, and it's very difficult. And, you know, some people have not wrapped their hands around this, especially our young population um, that think, oh, well, this is just going to magically go away, and it's some kind of, hoax of some sort and we're watching a, some delusion on television and, and it, so now they're really putting the parameters down and we really want the state to move forward into phase three and four because some states up north right now are into phase four. We're still stuck in phase two to at least August 7th and who knows beyond that but we need to really make some positive steps forward and it's really going to take everyone everyone's in this together and only we're going to get through this together, but we got to take some more positive steps, I think, as well.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I know, um, you know, I, I work in the school system um, as my as my my real deal job, and uh, uh, I I heard uh, on on the news this this past week that uh, in Mecklenburg County, uh, I think they had like over two thousand uh, layoffs uh, with with within the uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg school system. So um, I'm really lucky. I was told um, that you know. Uh, the school I work for, uh, they've already got their budget for the year. So I definitely have a job at least for the the rest of this year. Uh, but hopefully by, I'm just hoping that here and man, next few months we can, uh, you know, kind of, you know, go back to a little bit of normalcy, hopefully be able to Chris to go back to some concerts and, and Drake, get back, get, be able to put our tights and boots back on and get back out there and, and, uh, and do what, what, what we love. And, uh, but uh, but I, but I think uh, but, you know all three of us are, are doing are doing our part. We're uh, taking care of ourselves and our families, and um, and and like and like you say, Drake. We uh, th- it's a blessing because I'm I'm like you, you know. I'm I have a little one too. Mine's not quite as little as yours. And see see uh, Chris, I ain't, ain't think I ain't the one that that that's still uh, you know. Uh, got it out there and and uh and uh producing the kids drake's uh, uh, drake's Drake still still rocking and rolling man um man i i, I can't
0: i i can't relate to either of you uh either gentleman when jake's talking about uh, um you know a five or six year old and a one year old i'm like oh my gosh but uh hey kristen is my backbone so i'll i'll tell you that she keeps me in check and keeps me on the straight and narrow but uh um, but, you know, I am I, in mean, you guys. I can only imagine what you're going through with, with uh, young kids and children through this. It, it, it because it's it's a change for everyone, and it's a, it is the new normal. It's the new normal for now. Which and hopefully we can get back to the regular normal here soon enough. But we need to get a vaccine here, you know, sooner than later. I think that's going to be the ultimate cure for this.
1: Yeah, for sure. Now um, we're uh, uh, get get. Getting ready to go into our um to our main to the main show the podcast we we'll be we're gonna be talking about uh, talking to Drake about his wrestling career and uh, and how many years he got into business how he got into the business a lot of a lot of hopefully some some good road stories that that ta- that um, that, uh, that Drake and I have uh, have kind of lived together um and uh, and Chris I know right right before we went on the air. Uh, Drake told me he's got a story for you that's going to blow you away, and uh, we're we're going to get to that, fans, just a few more minutes. But right now, we're going to go to our uh, our first edition of the show, the flashback. This week's flashback. We are talking about WCW's Fall Brawl '94 that came uh, from the uh, in Roanoke, Virginia, and that's coming up next on the Binge Buster Show.
0: This week's classic flashback.
1: Alright fans, welcome to the Binge Buster Show Uh, as our our flashback uh, segment this week is covering WCW's Fall Brawl. It came from the Roanoke Civic Center on September the 18th, 1994. It drew attendance of 6,500 people with the main event being the Nasty Dreams, American Dream Dusty Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, and the Nasty Boys taking on the Stud Stable uh, consistent of Terry funk R. Anderson bunkhouse buck and Colonel Robert Parker uh, with the uh, with with Colonel Robert Parker's manager Ming uh, what a terrific pay-per-view and uh, actually I think uh, Drake were, uh, were you not in attendance at this show
2: I was um, a friend of mine that uh, from high school and I we decided let's go ahead and go now back then fall of 94 I would have been in 10th grade. So I would have just started in high school up here, but yeah, we, um, we decided we'd go ahead and go. Um, I don't remember who actually got the tickets, but, um, we were sitting seventh row facing the entryway. So, uh, we had a great shot of everything. And actually if you, um, if you go back and you watch the pay-per-view on the WWE network there at the very beginning, you'll see, uh, You'll see the camera on Mean Gene and Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan. You can actually see me uh, walk in behind them. I'd weasel my way up front. And you can actually uh, you can see me, a much thinner, younger version, um, just hooping and hollering and and being a fool.
1: Man, I, I tell you that uh, that back then, uh, Chris, uh, and I know that you, you can definitely relate to this, it was so exciting to know uh, when WCW was coming to town because, you know, there, there was so much electricity in the air every time they uh, they, they would have a, a pay-per-view. And uh, incidentally, I, I think this, this would have been the final year uh, that a fall brawl was actually held outside of North Carolina because uh, I, I think starting in 95, they had the fall brawl in um, Asheville, and I actually went to that one. Yeah. Um, and then after that uh, fall brawl uh, home became the uh, Winston-Salem Lawrence Joel Veterans Memorial Coliseum. But, uh, but looking at this show fall brawl 94, um, it, a, a lot of, a lot of cool stuff going on, but also a lot of weird stuff going on. Um, one of the things about this, uh, about this show that I really, um, I, I, I wish that, that, that it wasn't a dark match. Uh, and I know uh, Drake actually got to see this match, but, uh, I'm sure that this match was was ex, it was extremely uh, fun to watch. I'm um, talking about Brad and Brian Armstrong taking on uh, the newly formed team of bad attitude consisting of Steve Kern and beautiful Bobby Eaton. So right there you got two guys from really from two really cool tag teams um, from the 80s. You got Steve Kern, a member of the Fabulous Ones and Bobby Eaton, member of the Midnight Express, and I think the coolest thing about this about this tag team guys is the fact that beautiful Bobby Eaton is the only guy that I can, I can think of that um, that 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 took a team from the '80s that was popular. I'm talking about the Fabulous Ones, and he actually formed a team with both members. And uh, even though Bad Attitude didn't really get the push that I think that they deserved, I think if they had uh, I think bad attitude would have been almost as good as the Menai Express. What do you guys think?
2: Uh, I'll go
0: ahead, Drake. I'll have you go first with the take. All
2: right. No, no, I would, I would, I would definitely agree with you there, Tony. I mean, you got the, the the common denominator, like you said, is a beautiful body, eating. and uh, on a professional level, or, or or let's just say on a personal level, I love Bobby. Bobby's great. You um, you always hear people talk about how much of a sweetheart he is, and oh, uh, yeah. and, and I I will echo that as well. Um, you know, he's just one of the nicest people. I've never heard anybody say anything bad about Bobby. Um, as far as in ring in ring ability, you know he he wasn't he wasn't a great talker, and that's okay. That's why he had Cornette. right? Um, but w- when it came down to the tag team action, tag team psychology—he was it. And and I, until FTR, you know, formerly the Revival, came along, I honestly don't think that there was another you know, another tag team or tag team members that could touch uh, that could touch Bobby Eaton.
1: Yeah, I agree hundred percent on that. Um, and I, I've, I've heard um, uh, going back and watching some of the old uh, WCW stuff when, when it was kind of, it was still NWA and getting ready to, to switch over to WCW and Jim, um, um, Jim Ross, Jr. Was the uh, commentator. And I heard him say on multiple pay-per-views that Bobby Eaton is so good. He don't even know how good he is. He, He's, he's so smooth. He he, he does moves that, that that I don't I don't think he even knows he's doing them until he does them. Um, and back then, I mean, Bobby was so he was such an innovator. Um, you know, him and Dennis Condry were were a good team at I the Midnight mean, Express. I liked them, but um, but but my favorite uh, combination was him and Stan because it seemed like once him and Stan got together, they really came out with some with some great double team moves that 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 you've never seen before. Uh, and and looked really good on television.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that.
1: So moving on to uh, so that was a dark match. So I guess the first match on this pay per view uh, was for the WCW World Television Title, uh, Johnny B Bad against Lord Steven Regal. And I, and I was watching this uh, this uh, pay per view uh, as I was preparing for this uh, podcast. And uh, Drake, I have to say, and Chris, it was really funny seeing um, Steven Regal come out wearing that, uh, wearing that wig.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was, you know, and this match for an opening match was a great match. I mean, Steven Regal at this part of his career was over in WCW at, at this point. Johnny B bat on the scene and a, and a, and a title change for the opening match as well. The world television title, which, you know, obviously fostered out of the NWA into WCW, a coveted title that, you know, you could name the the names who have held that right down the line. But, um, you know, hey, I mean, what a great way to start start it off. I mean, you know, a title change to really lay the groundwork for the rest of the evening. And, um, and, you know, I mean, Steven Regal, I mean, you know, probably one of the best shooters in the, in the business
2: that there is, if not one of the best. Yeah, I, I totally you know, agree. Absolutely, I, absolutely. And it's it, and like you said, Chris, you know, to, what a great way to start the pay-per-view to, to really kick off the night, you know, for the, the pay-per-view crowd, but then with the title change, I mean, that kind of stuff's not really heard of that often. And, uh, it, it would, it definitely set the, definitely set the tone for the night.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I've, I've heard a lot of, uh, of uh, big-time stars uh, have an opinion of Johnny B. Badd. But, you know, going back and watching some of his um, his stuff during this time, uh, not, a lot of times they had him in the, in the opening match. And, you know, the very next year at Fall Brawl 95, uh, they had him in the opening match with uh, Flying and Brian. And, man, they win a time limit draw, double, double time limit draw, uh, and man, you, you talk about a, a great match. Um, you know, Johnny B bad is definitely a, uh, a great, um, a, a great hand, I think. And, uh, and, and I'm, I might be a little biased because seeing as how he was the very first pro wrestler I ever met, <laughs> um, I was at a, um, WCW wasn't doing so well. Uh, this, this was probably 92 and, uh, they had came to the Greensboro Coliseum and I, I was standing, I was sitting in my, in my seat over by the babyface locker room. And I happened to look over and he was just standing there, it, you know, he didn't have his makeup on. And I'm like, that's Johnny B. Badd. So I walk over with my, with my ticket stub and that's the only thing I had to get his autograph. And of course he autographed it for me and I talked to him for a minute, but then fast forward, you know, 20 some years later, um, you know, now, uh, Mark Merrow, Johnny B. Badd does these, um, Uh, like he goes around to high schools and does motivational speaking to the children. And uh, he actually came to my school uh, about three years ago, four years ago. And I walked over to him and I introduced myself and I said, I told him, I said, you know, um, I met you and I told him, told him the story and, and he was so humble, you know, uh, that, that I, that I remembered it. And, uh, and I got to talk to him for a few more, you know, just for a brief, a brief time. But, a uh, great guy. And so uh, have, have either one of you guys ever got to work, work with him?
0: I have not.
1: Chris, Chris, have you
0: yeah, say that again, Tony? I'm sorry. Um,
1: Have, have, did uh, you ever get a chance to work with Johnny B. Bad?
0: No, I never have. No, I, no, I never have. Um, Other than, you know, he always had great work in the ring. I think he was great for WCW during that time, also in in the mid '90s. You know, just as an African American wrestler in the ring and just everything that he did. But he was just charismatic, and it it just caught onto the crowd whether he was babyface, face, whatever it was. You know, it it, it worked, and I always I, I actually kind of like Johnny B. Bad. During his career, I just
1: thought it fit well within WCW. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, now the next match was a was a barn burner. Uh, Kevin Sullivan with Dave Sullivan taking on Cactus Jack in a loser leaves WCW mm. match. This this match was uh, was it, it was it, it was giving you the idea of where Cactus Jack was going, but he wasn't he wasn't quite there yet. But he was definitely on the road. Uh, to becoming a major star, uh, and I think, uh, uh, am I am I wrong, guys? After this matches, when he left and went to um, ECW for a brief for a brief moment before he went to WWE, is that right?
2: I think you're right. Um, he, it's funny. Mick Foley actually came to uh, you know he's he's got a little comedy tour. He actually came here to Roanoke a few months ago, you know, prior to all the COVID and everything, and he and he specifically talked about this match and he said he never really talked about it anywhere else he goes. Um, but just given the fact that where we were that night, was only about two miles down the road, um, from the civic center, he wanted to go ahead and talk about it. And, um, he shared some stories about that, about this match that I didn't even know. Um, he said that he'd actually been in Germany working for, um, Otto Vons and he'd, and he'd caught several different planes, um, and he said that when he actually touched down in Roanoke, the pay-per-view had already started. And from the from the the airport to the civic center, it's roughly about ten minutes with no traffic or anything. But he said that he was getting dressed in the in the cab. Um, he said that he actually got to the building uh, while the first match was going on, so he and Kevin Sullivan didn't have a chance to talk about anything. Um, they just went out there and did what all the, the grades did and walk and talk. Um, he said the only thing that they did discuss was that the, the big bump that he took off the, uh, the second turnbuckle down to the concrete floor. Um, and then, but it, the sad thing about this, and, and he's right. Um, going back and looking at the, the, the match on, on video, WCW really dropped the ball with that since, you know, he was on his way out. They could have, and they should have really had a camera going with him because he actually jumped over the barrier and walked up through the crowd. Um, so that should in he, he had that crazy persona. That would have been a perfect time to actually have uh, a camera with him. And, and ironically enough, he actually walked right by where I was sitting. Oh, wow. So here I am, you know, a little 15-year-old Patton McFoley on the chest. That was really cool. Um, but, you know, they, they, they could have done something with that to to make it look better on TV, but they didn't. But nonetheless, I mean just a, a classic Kevin Sullivan McPoley match.
1: A definite um I, I definitely enjoyed watching this match. The next match now, I'm I'm not I have a different opinion of this one. Um Hacksaw Jim Duggan uh defeats stone uh or stunning Steve Austin for the WCW United States Heavyweight title and this match uh, if i if if, if these uh if these numbers are correct 35 seconds does that does that sound right yeah unbelievable
2: wow well the whole the whole thing with that was Ricky Steamboat came out and right. and relinquished the United States title and i think it was a legit back injury um so they gave the belt to to Austin and then Hacksaw came and took it but from the from a, a live perspective, it came across really weird. I know that, you know, fans were cheering, but it, it, it just didn't have a good flow to it. Even, you know, even as a kid, you're like, this this isn't right. This is weird. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, even,
0: I, I, mean, I mean, really, this was, this was it. The Ricky Steamboat's career was at an end at this point, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. I mean, when, when, when this happened and, I also think WCW, okay, we're going to bring in Jim Duggan, okay, WWF days, everyone's going to know who he is with the big piece of wood coming out and everything's going to be good. And, you know, so and, – and then for Steve Austin, you know, shortly leaving WCW after after this event, he, we don't need to see We can have a whole you know, week episode on that, <laughs> you know, what happens to him. But, you know, I mean – Really, an interesting match on the card with a, just a lot going on. Nick Bachwinkle's in the ring as well with Steamboat and Austin. It, it's it's uh, interesting time for WCW and the U.S. title at that point. Yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. Now, the now the next match is for the WCW World Tag Team Titles. This now this match uh, are 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 the, the 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 teams in this match. I know uh, Drake um, uh, has 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 some opinions about. Uh, one of the guys in here, I um, and we'll we'll touch on that in a, in a couple of minutes. But uh, one I think were the coolest names for a tag team, Pretty Paul Roma and Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Pretty Wonderful. Uh, I love that team, my uh, man. I, I know uh, Paul Roma doesn't have a very good uh, a very good uh, impression in the wrestling business, but I I like this team of, of, of uh, Pretty Wonderful. I thought I thought they had some good heat. Um and uh, they uh, are the uh, world tag team champions, and um they actually uh or I guess in this match they actually won the um the world tag team titles from uh, Stars and Stripes, the Patriot and Marcus Alexander Bagwell, uh, Drake. Take us back to this to this great tag team match. Twelve minutes fifty four seconds. Uh, what was it like witnessing this match?
2: Uh, anytime that you got let's back up Paul Roma
0: you know here's the thing
2: with him He's he, he had a bad reputation people people always kind of scoffed at him you know being the odd or the, 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 the horseman that didn't fit in um, and, and some people would say that he had a bad attitude I've never met the guy so I can't say um, but what I can say is this: He wasn't a bad worker. Um, he knew how to get heat. Put him with put him with Paul Orndorff, who was a great worker. They both had fantastic bodies at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, that's a recipe for a win right there. Um, and then you you put them mm-hmm. across the ring from from the Patriot, who's you know I, I remember watching as the Trooper in the AWA you know, for Vern Gagne. Um, and then, and then Marcus Alexander Bagwell, who, while, uh, while he'd been in the wrestling business for a little while, you know, working down in Texas as the answer stranger for the global wrestling federation. He, he still hadn't come into his own yet. And he didn't until he took on the buff Bagwell, uh, persona. Um, but, but still, you're, you've got, you've got four guys in there that are, that are, that are very capable and and good workers, and it was I mean it was a solid tag team match. It it wasn't a it certainly wasn't a five star match,
0: but it, it was it was good.
1: Yeah, yeah it definitely was. Uh, Chris, do what, what? What are your thoughts on on this tag match? I
0: I, I mean it's uh you know it's a, it's an interesting match. You you know you got four wrestlers in there. I mean you know me you know. Tony, growing up in Connecticut, the old WWF days, Paul Orndorf, Mr. Wonderful, was huge in the WWF, right? Yeah. You know, so him in WCW at this point, you know, a veteran in the ring, you know, with, with you know Paul Romo, who, you know, both in WWF, WCW, you know, they had good bodies, you know, just like Drake said. And, you know, the Patriot and Buff Bagwell, it's appealing to the fans, you know, and it's a tag match. I'm not saying it's a filler match in, in the in the show, but it is kind of smack dab also right in the middle. But, again, you, you know, I think it's good entertainment, and I think it's a good way to keep the fans engaged. And, um, hey, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Deep in my heart, I was always a Paul Orndorff kind of fan.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even when he
0: was in the WWF days. Uh, just He was kind of like the guy you just love to hate all the time, and he always kind of had that persona about him. Both, both in
1: and out of the ring. One of the things I liked the best about Paul Lindor back in those days was how he used to kiss his biceps.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Yep, that was really cool. Uh, how 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 Absolutely. he did that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, now go, now going on to this to this next match. Um, it was a uh, I think I think they billed this the number one contender match. Uh, Big Van Vader, Sting, and the Guardian Angel. Uh, in a triangle match. This match went 30 minutes, 22 seconds. Um, kind of crazy. Uh, Drake, take us back to this one. Uh,
2: um, I'd like to be able to say good things about the match from my perspective um, because I was always a Sting fan growing up. Um, Vader was a legend. Ray Trailer was a legend as well. Um, but at the same time, the, I, I think it was the format of the match. It just, it didn't do anything for me if I remember correctly. And I'll admit I didn't go back and watch it before the show, but I want to say that they ended up doing like a sudden death finish. And, and it, it, to me, it felt like the match just went on way too long. It, yeah. it didn't keep me entertained.
1: Yeah, yeah, me neither. And uh, and the finish was kind of weird, um, but uh, yeah, it it's kind of a throwaway match, really. But uh, but it it definitely got us ready for the main event. Uh, and this one was, was really exciting because it had a lot of um, real um, you know, real real feelings in there. Because during this time, I think Dusty and Dustin were kind of estranged. Uh, I, I think yep. think maybe they hadn't talked for a while, and then they. Uh, got back together and 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 when Dusty cut that promo prior to uh, this War Games, uh, and he he came out and asked Dustin, you know, don't look for nobody, let me be your partner. Um and and when Dusty asked uh, Dustin to just you know, uh, just seal it with a kiss and give me a hug, uh, I think that was just true words from a dad uh, to his son who uh maybe at the time wasn't talking or hadn't been talking had had a little fallen out over over something i think was probably Dustin's ex-wife but um but but talk about um you know uh pulling on your heartstrings and looking back and just making you feel like Dusty is just Dusty there's no i mean Nobody has charisma the way Dusty Rhodes does, or did. Dusty was not the in the greatest shape; of, he, he didn't look like a wrestler, but man, he could put people in the seats.
2: Yeah, he could, and, and really, that's that's the name of the game. I mean, Chris, you know, you ran shows for many years, so um, you know the name of the game: put a butt right. every eighteen inches. Right. If if you've got somebody that can do that, then you can make money with them and you want them on your show. And and you're right, Tony Dusty wasn't in great shape. I mean he he was never in great shape, but man, he, he had the stamina, he could go. Mm-hmm. Um and and he could. I mean, up until up until the day he took his last breath, he was able to, to have the people eat out of his hands with with just the words that he said.
1: Yeah, and his mannerisms on te- television and, and of course yep. Uh, my all-time favorite Dusty Rhodes promo was the Hard Times because that that time, promo yeah. was just so mm-hmm. real. And uh, man, and and I was telling I was telling Chris this a couple weeks ago. Even watching, going back and watching the uh, the um, the Riga plays on the on the network and hearing that, I, I I'm gonna go buy a ticket. But you know, I'm wanna buy a ticket and yep. go see Dusty because yeah, I'm absolutely. you know it's still it, it's still it's still. Uh, you know, when I watch it, I'm like, it still gives me goosebumps, man. Dusty was like, man, there's there'll never be another one like Dusty that could, you know, just just the way he talked and and mm-hmm. uh just made you believe what, you know, what, what everything he said, he did, you know.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, uh th- this is an interesting war games match. I, you know, as I, I kind of look at the lineup of this match, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of look at Double A, Arn Anderson, and, like, what's going through his head? I'm in this match with Bunkhouse Buck, Rob Parker, Terry Funk, which is fine. Terry, I'm uh, very respectful in the business. Ming's on the outside, like, like where are the horsemen?
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: kind of like, you know, it's not like, what the heck? I've been all these historic war games and, and God knows what else all the way down the line, and now I'm in this thing in 1994. So I'm just kind of wanting to go through Double A's mind. And, I, I still don't know how Rob Parker really was involved in this match with Ming on the outside. You think Ming would have been in the ring and Rob Parker would have been on the outside? But I, you know, whatever the storyline was at that particular uh, you know juncture. But it's kind of like what's going through Double A's mind, you know, just working with these yeah. other guys in this match well you know, knowing him and knowing him and the dream are going to tangle before it's over with
1: yeah well i think i think the the storyline there chris was um they were trying to keep ming really 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 strong um so instead of putting him in the match uh to lose uh they, they left him outside the ring uh, to 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 right. keep his character but um uh, fans, if if you get a chance, go back and listen to one of the uh, older episodes of the Binge Buster show. And I actually had Colonel Robert Parker on the show, and he told a story about this this, this uh, particular match. and and if and if you go back and look at the match, um, Dusty Rhodes um, on on one of the uh, the best of the War Games DVD, where he's talking, he talks about this match. And he says that Colonel Robert Parker suffered diarrhea during this match.
2: <laughs> I was just going to ask if he talks about a crappy situation.
1: Yes, he does. And on and on my uh, on the podcast when he was on the show, he he told it. Now, but now, but but Colonel Robert told a little different uh, than what Dusty just or what what Dusty tells on the DVD. But Colonel Robert says that he was on the outside of the ring and he had sat down, and I guess some, someone had spilled some soda or something on the ground, and it was dirty, and he sat down on his white pants. And it looked brown, um, so and so he said he, he heard some Mark at ringside go, "Hey, I think he shit his pants." So he played he played off of it, but uh, I also heard a story that if you go back and watch the uh, the match, uh, Dusty's got uh, for the finish, Dusty has Colonel Robert in the figure four, and the Nasty Boys are dropping some pretty stiff elbows. Uh, so I wouldn't. I, I, I don't know, but 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 the funny thing is, uh, Colonel Robert, told, uh, he, told, he told me, he said he was sitting there, and he said, Ming took that job really seriously, like, Ming didn't, and he said he was always trying to get Ming to crack, and so he said, at one particular time in this pay-per-view, uh, Ming is, is, like, squatted down and, you know, checking on him, and he said, I'm trying to make, make, make Ming laugh, and I said, Ming, huh, I shit my pants, and he said, Ming still wouldn't crack. He tried his best to make him crack, but he wouldn't do it. He said, "Man, he said Ming took that job way too serious."
0: Wow, that's a that's a great story. That is unreal. But hey, a great match. You know, great war games. Probably not the best war games we've ever seen, but what a solid side. Even the nasty boys at that time were big time over. Oh mom. yes. as as well, so a definite formidable tag team with Dusty and Dustin as well, just from the Nasty Boys angle, so I I think overall, you you know, know, 1994 was an interesting year for pro wrestling, a lot of transition was going on, a lot of, you know, guys were jumping ship here and there, and I think, you know, things were just about to explode a couple of years later within the professional wrestling scene, and, and it was just an interesting time just overall for the couple of big players in the
1: game. Yeah, for sure. Uh well, well, guys, thank you for uh breaking this down for us. I mean, it was a it was a fun uh a fun pay-per-view. Uh Drake is the only one in the room that got to actually witness everything in f- you know, in living living color. Uh and I'm I'm envious of you that you got to do that and I didn't, <laughs> but but man, uh fun times and I do uh,
0: have I do have one question for Drake. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I that Roanoke Civic Center and I've been in there once or twice. There's not a bad seat in the house. I don't think in that place in that building. It's it's I don't think you were sitting on the floor up top. I think you're kind of right there. It just seems like a nice intimate place to have an event such as this or just professional wrestling in general. Yeah, it, it's
2: not a it's not a bad venue um you know as as time has gone on and as We'll just say that the sets have gotten bigger, like with um, with WWE and their Monday Night Raw sets. Um, you know that does block off a little bit of, of viewing space, but um, once you get away from that, no, there, there's not a bad seat in the in the facility to be able to actually sit back and, and watch what's going on.
1: Yeah, that's that, yeah. No, that's
0: absolutely. Really cool. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: very good. Now cool. for concerts, the the acoustics suck. Well, they do. That's here oh, that's too bad. Excuse me. And that's too bad. All right, fans, we're, we're, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it is going to be the main event of the Binge Buster Show as we are going to go in-depth, find out about the wrestling career of Drake Tungsten, find out some of his favorite things that, that he got to do over the years, uh, maybe some some funny stories in between and, and and he still has got something to blow Chris Plano away and all that's coming up next. Oh my god. All that and much <laughs> okay. more coming up next on the Binge Buster Show. Want to get your event or business advertised around the world? Then let The Binge Buster Show advertise for you. We offer a weekly show that is broadcast over all major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and much more. We offer five levels of advertising to fit any budget. So don't hesitate. Let The Binge Buster Show work for you. For information, contact us on our Facebook page at The Binge Buster Show. We look forward to helping you and your business grow. Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go. All right, fans. Welcome back to the Binge Buster Show. And now we are going to be breaking it down. I'm excited about this. Uh, Our guest this week is, again, we're joined by former NWA North American Tag Team Champion and former AIWF World Tag Team Champion, Drake Tungsten is in the house. We uh, just got through breaking down Fall Brawl '94, and now we're going to break down uh, Drake Tungsten. Um So, uh, Drake, again, welcome to the Bench Buster Show. Thank you for uh, joining us this week. Chris and I are excited, and I know uh, you, you, you know, you, like, like I said um, prior to the show, as we went on the air, uh, you and I have been friends. We've been brothers, not friends. We've been brothers for a very, for a very, very long time. Uh, we, uh, we, we first met at boogies wrestling camp and, uh, it was like an instant friendship. And then it seems like after that, we our paths always crossed. And, um, and then we finally just, uh, realized, Hey man, we, we are close. And, uh, and, and it's been that way for, I, I can't even tell you how many years, uh, it's always been a pleasure to, to work with you, to, to talk to you, to be, you know, hang out with you and, uh, thank you for that. And, but, uh, but, uh, but. Tell us uh, how how like like, well, before we get into that, uh, several weeks ago, when, when when I first talked to you about coming on the show, and you, you your words to me was now Chris Plano is your co-host now, and I said yeah, and he said oh great, I can't wait to to, uh, to tell Chris this story. So uh, hit 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 Chris with with a little bit of uh, trivia, the story, tell him, and let's see uh, see if you don't blow Chris away.
2: All right, so. I'll, I'll I'll work up to it. Um, because there's, it's, it's there's a very Chris ended up playing a very important role in my in in my breaking into the wrestling business. So um let's let's kind of take it back a little bit. Now I'm not going to bore you all with the I used to watch wrestling as a kid all the time cuz I did. I mean every kid did. Every one of us that's in the wrestling business, more than likely, we probably watched TV, watched wrestling as a kid. Not going to bore you with that. Who cares? So let's go to about 1997, um, the summer of 1997. I was working for a minor league baseball team here in the area called the Salem Avalanche, and they had um, agreed, to, or they'd had a, uh, a local promotion come do a um, a show prior to one of their games, and their uh, in the parking lot of the front office. So that was actually my very first time touching a wrestling ring. I went there because I wanted to kind of help out. It just, I wanted to be part of it. So I got there and I helped them set the ring up and they ended up being a ring announcer that night. Um, Jimmy, Night was on this, sh- was on the, the show and he came out, and gave me the big boogie kiss. I had no idea it was coming. Um, it's actually on one of his VHS tapes. And if you watch it, the reaction that you get from me is real. Because <laughs> I had no clue that the boogie kiss was coming. Scared the hell out of me. am not going to lie to you. You got some, however old, you are you know, however year old man he was, with a big beard, putting his lips near you. You're going to wonder what in the world you're getting yourself into. So, I want to say maybe the next year or the year after that, um, Chris was doing um, ball field shows for new um, with his new Dimension Wrestling. Um, and, Tony, I don't know if you ever saw any of these or not, but, the way that they did them in Salem was they would, um, they would put the ring together over the off the field. And then after the game, they would use two forklifts, forklift the ring out, set it down there on home plate. That's where I met Chris the very first time I was working for the team and I, and they actually used me as a kind of a a go-to person to say, Hey, tell the next match that they're, that they're up. Um, because of all that, I got to I got to know and follow New Dimension Wrestling. I followed them on Facebook, or I'm sorry, on Facebook with Internet, um, a little while, and then um, ended up meeting a local wrestler by the name of Brute Shooter. You remember him, Chris? Yes, I do. Um, ended up ended up meeting him and. um. I went to uh, one of your shows in Lynchburg, Virginia. I think you had the Hardy Boys there. They didn't wrestle there that night. Um, And then so let's fast forward a little bit more. Um, I'm a – I would have been a sophomore in college at Bluefield College then. I was part of this group called Mm -hmm. the Student student Union Board, and I wanted to do a fundraiser. So I actually – Tony actually reached out to Chris and booked New Dimension Wrestling, to come do a fundraiser at the Bluefield Auditorium, which is a historic building there in town. Um, Crockett ran the building um, and even ran it as, um, under the WCW banner. So Chris came in and, and brought new Dimension Wrestling. Um, and Of course, you know, since I, I was one that was putting the event on, I had to help out. So, of course, I did all that. Um, ended up working security for you that night. Um, and you didn't really do anything, just... Warrior, wore the NDW security shirt, which, by the way, I still have, and I just I just saw it the other day. That is um, classic. Oh my God. Yes, okay. yellow with the black letters. Uh huh. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, and then and then two months later, you came back and you ran the building again. I wasn't even involved in in wrestling. I hadn't begun training or anything, but I actually took my very first bump in the ring that night from Rick Link. And now I don't know if you if you remember, but yes. there was some there was some sort of an angle going on with um Ricky Nelson and Super Mario, and I think Boogie and Link was involved. I I, I don't remember mm-hmm. all the specifics, but I remember that they gave Super Mario's son, uh, Super Mario's son a pile driver.
0: Right. Okay. Like oh God. Okay. Yeah, I'm having a flashback here now. Yeah, I, Super I Mario. Figured. Tony. Super Mario. We're having a flashback <laughs> I'm now. I'm telling you. Okay. I
2: remember before the show, you and Rick Link came up to me and you asked me, if you want to get involved tonight? I said, I don't, I'm not trained. I've never done any of this. You said, well, this is what we'll do. And you, you kind of worked, worked out a spot with me where after, he, after little Claudio got the pile driver, um, I was going to be up in the ring, and Link was going to give me a big forearm smash to the back. And so he did. I, you know, I took the big forearm to the back. Ended up rolling outside, just kind of selling there on the floor, and then I remember Link. Uh, after it was all over with, he came out, looked at me, kind of gave me a little wink, made sure I was all right, threw one more boot to me, and then went to the back. That was my that was my official intro into the pro wrestling world.
0: That is wow. Okay, yes, I remember that. And let me tell you, I, and Tony Bench knows Rick Link. Not many guys with no experience would. Even- <laughs> attempt to do that (laughs) because god knows what's gonna happen with with him at any moment (laughs) in and out of the ring
2: well you know maybe maybe i was stupid i don't know but you know um to me i was like that was really cool but you know so we'll fast forward from there um i I end up uh getting my training in at jimmy valiant school in shawlsville um Mm -hmm. uh and then I had my first match in on December fourth of nineteen ninety nine, and here I am still going at it some today.
0: That is an incredible story, and and you know you it tickles me pink to hear that. I don't I can't even respond to this, but just to know that you know whether I directly or indirectly had an impact on you getting into the business, and you know back then I was you know a twenty something year old. You know, individual running an independent wrestling promotion, and you know, the day of the show was always crazy. We're trying to do a lot of different things at you know at a lot of different times, and and as Tony, as you know, on the road doing these, whether it was a fair show, a, a baseball show, or whatever we were doing, it's always a lot of stuff going on, and you know, we move from town to town. But that is so great to hear, and and um, and inspirational that. And, and knowing that Link and Boogie and Mario were all in on the angle, you know, and, and Link kind of knows, you know, where things are in, in the business back then as well, it, it's just great to hear that. And and to see you now some 20-something 20, 20 years later, you know, still doing it strong, it, it tickles me pink to know that, that you were a part of something that I thought was really special at New Dimension Wrestling back in the mid to late 90s and into early 2000s.
2: Oh, I agree, and and you know it, it, what you had going was something that was great. Um, I actually attended my very first New Dimension show that I can remember, um, and again, this is after the ball field and everything. So, my I, I know I'm jumping back and forth, but you ran a show at the Brushwork Armory. Yes, um,
3: oh, yeah. and it, it
2: it was it wasn't your Thanksgiving show; it was like the one after that. Um, mm-hmm. But that but that's actually where I met one of the referees, Eric Foster yes who um who was who worked for you someone was also working for um uh joe brody who was running at the awa up in that area as well um absolutely so uh, yeah
0: you know you're 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 bringing back some areas i mean i love listen going up to salem virginia was so special to go up there and even up when we went up to roanoke and uh uh, in Bluefield, West Virginia, you're talking about the Brushfork Armory and the Bluefield Auditorium. I mean, those were just hot areas. And I'm going to tell you, you, you know, and, and, and Tony's going to hear this too. You know who inspired me to go up there? Who? Was, Jim, was Jimmy Valiant. Really? Jimmy Valiant said, he, he said, he tapped me on the shoulder. He goes, kid, you got something going on here. You need to go up to Bluefield, West Virginia run the Brushfork Armory. He said, you bring... Ricky and Robert in, me, Pez, Watley, a couple of the guys, it'll be, and, and Tony, we went there, it was out of control.
1: Wow. He
0: knew. he knew. I mean, he goes, I'm telling you, kid, you got to go. You go and, and I think Boogie, I want to say, saw something a little bit in me. He saw a lot of energy. I think he saw a lot of energy in me and a lot of excitement and <laughs> that kind of stuff. But, you know, I mean, I, I really, if it wasn't for Jimmy Valiant to push me to go to, to, into West Virginia and up to um, War West Virginia and a cup up to Charleston and, and a couple other areas, that would have been uncharted territory, and I was taking a risk going up there. I mean, come, yeah, I was sure. living in Greensboro. I mean, now here I am promoting shows up in Charleston, West Virginia, five, six hours away. But, it, but it, it, it worked at the end of the day in Princeton, Princeton, West Virginia, another mm-hmm. hot town outside of Bluefield um, as well. And it was like, this is great. And it was a totally different crowd up there. They were big time into it, you know, and, and there's different crowds in all markets. But, man, I'm going to tell you, those fans in Virginia, West Virginia, even over towards Kentucky over there, they're passionate, man. They mm-hmm. love their wrestling, and when it comes to their town, they, they're going to go because back then, that's all it was, man. When wrestling came to town, that's what it was, and 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 it was it was good stuff on Friday and Saturday nights. Yep.
1: Now, uh, Chris, I, I, I have to I have to ask this question: um, being that you were running in West Virginia, I know you had to had to have booked Scotty McKeever.
0: I, I believe. I, I mean, I don't know. Did I? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm asking. I don't, I don't know. Scotty
1: was like the most popular West Virginia wrestler ever on the independent circuit. I believe.
0: Man, I don't know, but I will say this, man. I I did book this kid all over this kid up in uh, Bluefield, Princeton. Bam, Bam, Roger Ham.
2: Roger Ham. Yep.
0: You remember Roger Ham? I do. That kid brought some people in, man. I mean, I don't. I he. he Put me on the opening match. Absolutely. Um, But, um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Tony and, 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 and Drake, I mean, you just go to some of these cities. When I did shows in Charleston, you pass the Charleston Civic Center. You know, you go to Bluefield. When I was at that Bluefield Armory, that first show I did at the Bluefield Armory, this is no lie, the guy that was running the building, he goes, you're running a show here in the Bluefield Armory tonight. The NWA used to come here. Wow. With Ric mm-hmm. Flair. Mm-hmm. And Boogie's in the back. And it was just it was like, this is it. I, I'm this is crazy stuff going on here. I mean, this but, is it was it was it was and even Ricky Morton was in the back. He goes, We're gonna we're gonna burn it down tonight, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there we go. And some of those guys remember that was the locker room they were in with Jim Crockett promotions.
2: And Tony, and, listen, the, the armory that that we're talking about, it's not like your your typical mm-hmm. North Carolina armory.
3: Oh no! It's,
2: it's, it's just one level. I mean, this is a large building. It's got, I mean, the the floor is huge, and then there's bleachers. You um, know, they're on the floor level, and then it's even got an upstairs balcony as well. Oh wow! With bleachers all the way around that too.
0: That's oh no! Really I cool. think it easily held four thousand with no no oh, yeah. problem wow. at all.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, I mean,
0: this is like not no nothing against Thomasville or <laughs> Burlington or other uh-huh. armories around North Carolina, but this thing was. I mean, you were in some places where you know the NWA was hitting in, in, in the mid to late eighties.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, they would do their TV tapings from there and pack the place
0: out.
1: Wow. That's amazing. I, I hate I missed that that time. So
0: great stuff, and, and Tommy, that's a great story, man. You totally blew me away. But you rattled my brain. You rattled the. <laughs> <my> <laughs> I knew of, it. Told, you. And I told I, and you. I told you. Great. Remember that now. And and you know, hey, Rick Link. Um, you know, I want to say something about Rick if I can, Tony, as well. Yes, please. You know, Rick, Rick, Rick was my. Rick was really. You know, my right-hand guy, Um, you know, he really was, you know, Rick was always a guy that either you either loved Rick or you hated him, and there was kind of nowhere in between. There really wasn't with him, and I think Tony would agree with me um, as well. But, you know, he was always there for me. But I think Rick always, always did what was best for the business, whether, whether it was for me or if I asked him for a favor or whatever it was, or maybe even saying, hey, this guy's trying to get into the business, you know, give him a little, <laughs> you know, part of the show. And, and I, I just think that's the way it was back then. But I, I think at the end of the day, we were always there to entertain the fans and, and the fans of that came to your baseball games back then. Yeah, That's mm-hmm. what we were there for. Because my goal was we want to come back, not just tonight. We want to know when we're coming back next. <laughs>
1: yeah. So we mm-hmm. always
0: try to impress, you know, each and every night.
1: And, you know, Chris, talking about uh, Rick Link, uh, in a business that everyone, uh, let, let's, let's be honest here, in a business where most everybody in this business is the most selfish person that you, that you can meet, uh, Rick Link is probably the most selfless person that you'll ever meet. Um, kind of like what you said, when, when it comes to a show uh, he doesn't do what's best for him. He does what's best for the show. What's what's, what's going to make these people want to come back?
0: Absolutely. Because I always tell that we, we have to get back here, whether it's the next month, two months, maybe it's next year. This could be a baseball game we only play once a year and we come back next year. You know, this could be a multiple-year deal. I, I don't know what it is, but we got to put our best foot forward every night. And no matter what it is, Everyone has to leave happy because we gotta come back. This is, you know, we're not on, you know, you know, national television here, you know, but we gotta come back. But we also have to put a good product in place at the same time. That's always what I tried to do: was leave everyone happy and say, "Hey, we saw some good wrestling matches tonight, and we might want to see some more later on when they come back to town."
1: Yeah, for sure. Now, talking about um, tag team wrestling. Uh, I have to. I, I got to bring this up because if I don't bring this up, I'm. I'm not. I'm going to be. I'm, I'm going to be sad. So with uh, with with Drake being a former NWA North American Tag Team Champion, AIWF Tag Team Champion, uh, Drake has been a tag team specialist. Um, and one of, one of his first and it may may have been his first partner. I, I, but the one I met first. I uh, always loved working with this guy. Super nice guy, Hubie Johnson. Uh, Drake, yep. Drake he and Drake were a, a tag team known as um, uh, Unod, right? Drake,
2: yep, United Nations of Devastation.
1: Yeah, now, now, Chris, I gotta tell you some, I gotta tell you a, 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 some funny. Uh, now, now, at this point, guys, we're, we're gonna get into a little backstage antics, some fun stuff. Uh, so, so so, here we go. You're going to love this. So uh, like I said earlier, I, I met Drake at Boogie's wrestling camp and uh, we, we talked briefly. And then uh, one of my good friends, Kurt Solo, Curtis Berry uh, was running uh, this little building outside the flea market in Thomasville, North Carolina. And me and another guy uh, at the time, his name was um, now, now he goes by Leo Riker, super great guy, very dedicated, but at the time, he was young, and uh, and uh, at that time, he, he was known as Trent Wild. So he's Trent, I'm Tony, we're the tag team known as TNT, okay, Chris? So uh, so Trent and I are the um, current uh, tag team champions uh, for uh, Curtis Perry's wrestling company there in, in, um, in Thomasville, right? So we're, we're like the top heels, no matter what we do, uh, people hate us but like they were they they like to hate us because you know I'm me I'm comical right so uh Curtis tells me hey uh and you know I'm old school so he tells me one day hey i got i got this team coming in and they're really cool uh they they're called you nod well at the time i didn't know that that, that was tommy's team you know cuz back then the internet wasn't out there uh, so unless you was on the show you didn't know who these people were or at least i didn't so anyway, he brings in you nod and he's like, yeah, he, he, tell, he tells me get to the building a little early so so you know, you, you can meet the guys and the, uh and 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 so we we're, we're, we're going to do like a like a four-week program. Uh we're going to have them come out and um and and you guys have a match and they they'll get us qualified and and we'll do this for like three matches and then uh we'll have you guys drop the belts to him. I was okay, whatever. Whatever whatever you need me to do. I get there and I see Tommy or Drake and I'm like, Hey brother. And we knew each other. So, so we knew right then it was going to be good. Um, but here's the crazy thing. Once we came out, like they came out first. And now the week before, uh, me and, uh, and, uh, Trent beat up some baby faces and, and some guy pulled a knife on me and he's ready to kill me. Right. So I had heat the very next week. They they uh, they bring in you nod. Now during this time we're we're getting ready to to go to war or maybe we were already in war uh, because this was right after 9 eleven but um, but they come out but but they were out there, and when our music hit and we came through the curtain, the place went crazy, but not they wouldn't booing us. they were cheering us. And Drake and Hubie got us over because they had so much heat on them because they were uh, portraying these, these, these characters from different countries. And those rednecks there in Thomasville um, were all, immediately they were on us. And I remember uh, the great ring announcer, uh, Randy Hedrick, he used to have this, uh, this sign at ringside about this, uh, I think it was a restaurant, right, Drake? About, about I'm over, Where? damn it. I'm over, damn it. And I, yeah, I remember, like, yeah. yeah. I remember coming out there and getting the microphone. And I cut a promo and I said, uh, I said, here's a crazy thing. I said, uh, I said, we out here last week. You guys boo us. I said, this week we come out and you cheer us. I said, that tells me one thing. We're over, damn it. And the place went crazy. And at the time, Chris, um, oh, what is that country singer? Uh, he had just came out with that song about 9 11, uh, the part where he says, uh he uh, Toby Keith, yeah, uh, the part where he says, "I uh, will, we'll, we'll put a boot in your ass." It's the American way, and yep. I, I don't know for whatever reason, man, it just hit me to say that. And I told, I told Trent, I said, Trent, I said, since we're, I said, since we're over, I said, let's take Toby Key, uh, Toby Keith's advice. Let's go ahead and put a boot in these guys' asses. And man, when I said that, we hit the ring, and then we just took off, and that feud was just, it, it was, it was fun, man. It was, and it was so easy. And, and, but, but, uh, but, but Drake and Hubie got us over so much. Uh, no matter what, what we did, we couldn't be heels anymore. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. And, and the thing about it was that, that wasn't even the, the, uh, that wasn't even the, the promoter's plan. Like his plan was to keep us heels and keep them heels. And we just have like a heel feud, but we couldn't. The people loved us too much because of all the heat. That 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 Drake and Hubie had, um, but but man, what what a what a fun uh, what a fun um, time that was, you know?
2: Yeah, definitely. It's those were the good old days. I'll tell you a little story about Trent real quick. Just and it actually happened in that same building. I don't know if it was the same match or not, but um, we were you know we were talking out the match, and we were, you know working out different spots and everything, and he was. He was still at that stage where you could mess with him and Mm -hmm. throw him off his game. Well, I had had talked out a a spot with him. I don't even remember what it was. But anyway, I I changed the spot in the middle of the match, although I didn't tell him that I was changing the spot. I just did something completely different. So I think he does a drop-down or something, and and, and I just immediately start laying the boots to him. And I pick him up, and I go to do something. And then he just, it's just loud as can be. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on, on it's, it's air fine. or not. It's a sense for me if you need to. Um, but he goes, ha ha, motherfucker. <laughs> just loud as can be.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, wow. a, that's a trend, man. Trent is a, he's a trip. Uh, You know, he, like I said, he he goes by a different name now. But to me, man, he's he's gonna, every time I see him, I call him Trent. I don't call him anything yep. else because he he can always be Trent to me. <laughs> but man, uh, that, that was some fun times. And 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 Chris, uh, during this time is is when um, a, a lot of backstage antics would happen. And and I don't know if Drake remembers this. I, I hope he don't. <laughs> but do okay. you do you remember the time that um, that that uh, that you guys were in the back? Again, this is in Thomasville. By this time, we'd already dropped the belts to to you guys. You guys were like feuding with somebody else. You guys might have been feuding with um, I don't remember now who it was, but but uh, back then you guys carried flags to the ring. Mm-hmm. And so so Chris, they're they're getting ready for their match, and right. um and of course I'm i back then I was I was a locker room prankster. If I could find somebody to pull a prank on, I was going to do it and, I, and okay. so so they're getting ready to go to the ring and i go i go steal their flags <laughs> and you remember that tommy you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't oh, find, tommy couldn't find okay. his flag he's like he's like all right some assholes got my flag and it was behind and and i stuck it over there behind um um oh what was that guy's name um paco loco <laughs> and, and yeah. tommy goes over and cusses oh, him God. out <laughs> Tommy, uh D- 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 drake and hubie was over there yelling to yelling at paco for taking their flag but it wasn't Paco; it was me <laughs> i just moved her
0: flags our, mu- our music's playing <laughs> where's the flags we gotta hit oh the- yeah <laughs> oh my god we gotta hit the curtain there
1: oh, <laughs> i was course. always I was only always. terrific tony only oh, terrific tony i was always pulling some pranks
0: oh, you know you,
1: you know there's just so much you can do and uh there, there was another time there was a guy in the locker room who's um his and i'm not i'm not I probably shouldn't tell this story but it's it's just too funny so we're over there and the guy was like he he had this gimmick he's trying to do a wwe gimmick and, and and drake you probably remember this guy uh but he was a like a fisherman he carried an oar to the ring What was, jack mack was that his name jack Mack, yeah
2: jack Mack. i don't remember much about him and i think there's a reason but yeah um, there's definitely a the
1: reason name. but 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 chris he was kind of cross-eyed mm-hmm. kind of cross-eyed mm-hmm. so one night me and tommy are uh, me and tommy and matt houston and um uh brad oh, uh, brad was over there talking and uh, we're we're talking about we're, we're we're talking about you know the state of WW back then or whatever it was so we're talking about, mm-hmm. and um Brad walks up and says uh, to us and says and 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 Jack was like over across the the, the room looking at us and and Brad look Brad ends up saying guys you know what the cool thing about Jack Mack is and and Matt Houston goes what he goes no matter where he sits in this room he's well, he's looking at us. <laughs> and we all lost it. You remember that? You remember uh, that?
3: Drink?
2: Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, excuse me.
1: But that guy was, uh, yeah, he was, um, he his heart was there, but his body and mind was not uh, to be a wrestler. No. But uh, he, he definitely had the heart, but he just he lacked a lot of the uh, uh, the talent, mm-hmm. I guess. But, uh, but yeah, that that was pretty funny. Now. Getting, I'll quit picking on people now. Now now we'll, we'll try to get into some serious stuff. Now, one, uh, one, the, pick on them. one of the things that a lot of people don't know, and Chris, you may not know this, but mm-hmm. uh, Drake has got a huge collection of some really cool wrestling memorabilia. Um, I, I remember okay. the, uh, the, the first thing that, that, that Drake ever showed me, and I went crazy over that he had, was uh, he had one of the uh, NWA World Tag Team Belts, the silver with the gold eagles, mm-hmm. and nice. uh, man, I love that belt, Chris. That was my favorite belt. Um, mm-hmm. And then he also had one of the Smoky Mountain Tag Team Titles. He had one of those that would, and it was actually made by by Reggie Parks, correct?
2: Yep, it was.
1: Yep, uh, beautiful belts. Wow. But but uh, but over the years, uh, Drake has, has has some really 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 cool memorabilia. So, of all the stuff you ever had, and I don't know if you if you want to say this on on air, if you can, great. If you can't, understand. But what do you think is the the most uh, the, the coolest, uh, most sought after piece of memorabilia that, that that you've had or have at this time?
2: Mm, wow! Oh, um, at one point in time, I would have said um, Ric Flair's black scorpion types from Starcade, 1990. Oh wow, yeah. Uh, yeah, wow. but yeah, I had those, had them for several years. Um, ended up selling them. Just, my my wants for my collection changed over the years, so um, at one point in time, you know, I was getting pretty much anything I could. You know, if I saw it was ring-worn, I'm going to grab it. Yep. Because there's only so much ring-worn stuff out there. But then but then I've realized that that's not the most important stuff to me. Um, so a lot of my ring worn stuff, as far as like tights and full outfits and everything, that's kind of been um, it's been whittled away to um, to things that uh, to things from people that that means something to me. Like you know, you gave me a pair of your um, a pair of your tights and one of your shirts. Um, you know, a good friend of ours, Jimmy Love, you know, I've got a pair of, I've got one of his singlets. Um, I've got three pair of boogies, striped tights. Um, <clears throat> excuse me again. I'm sorry. I am fighting a cough here. Um, so most of the things that I've got now have some sort of meaning to me. Um, not everything. I, I think at this point in time, I'd say my biggest, um, my, my most sought after piece. And I just got this last week is a full ring worn Jushin thunder Liger outfit. Wow. With the mask. That's awesome. Yeah. Um,
1: that's awesome.
2: And it's, and it, I mean, it definitely shows some wear and tear on it, but it's, um, and the mask is autographed too, which makes it even better. um, but I'd say, as far as like gear-wise, that's probably it. You mentioned the belts I've got. Um, the NWA World Tag Belt I've had. I'm now on my third belt of that. I had one once before, and sold it. Bought another one, sold it. Bought this one. I'm keeping it. I'm not going to sell this one. It's, it's too hard, too hard to find. Um, but I've I, I, I totaled it up the other day. I've got um, 19 high quality belts. You know, with the the nice,
1: oh,
3: wow. professional
2: leather, thick plates, wow, yeah. acid etching, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, that's that that's that's very nice, really cool stuff. Thanks. Now, now, Chris, one time, uh, Tom um, Drake, 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 Drake had something I really wanted so bad, uh, but it was never for sale. Um, but he had a a um, uh, Terry Taylor jacket. Uh, and this was back when Terry and, and and you know what I never even knew that that, that, that Terry even used this gimmick until I saw this jacket. Um, but but at, at one point when Terry Taylor was in the WWF, he went he went by the name Terrific Terry Taylor. And uh, so so Drake had this beautiful uh, ring jacket made by Olivia Walker, the, the 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 same lady that made all of Ric Flair's robes. Uh, so this thing was beautiful. It was like, what was it? Was it like burgundy or red or something like that? Yeah. Um, it was like
2: a red, red burgundy right. velvet. Yeah, yeah.
1: Beautiful, beautiful jacket. And I told him, I said, man, I, I got to get that jacket. But, uh, uh, but it, it, you know, I, I think now that, uh, the jacket is actually, actually with who it, you know, of, of who really would, would appreciate it more than me. Uh, so that, that, you know, that, that's great. But, uh, but man, i tell you, um, and and a lot of times, Chris, when whenever uh, Drake is uh is is thinking of, of getting something, uh, he actually goes goes through a uh, he he has a, he has a personal, um, uh, what 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 do you what do you call what do you call him? Would Drake? you
2: title your 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 business my my personal business consultant? Or yeah, something like
1: that. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, there. He, you go. He All goes right. through a personal <laughs> business consultant that says, "Hey, is what would you do?" And I'm like, "Uh." And uh, but uh, but I think that's really cool. But um, but yeah, man, Drake Drake's got a huge collection, some really cool wrestling memorabilia, and uh, I, I I always love seeing the pictures and and stuff like that when whenever he posted hey, on on social media.
0: But you know what I what I love is that Drake, you still have the old NDW wrestling security shirt. That's, 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 that's <laughs> that thing is priceless. Me. I know we're talking about world titles and <laughs> suits and stuff here, but. I, that 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 tickles me pink that
2: you said that earlier. Yeah, I I can guarantee you now I wouldn't be able to fit into it. But <laughs> I Still got it.
1: Still got it. That's
2: all right, all right, it's classic. So so yep. so
1: so uh, Drake, you you've been in wrestling business now a long time. Uh, what yeah. what 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 would you consider like one of your favorite all time matches? I mean, I, I know that that's probably hard because you probably got a million of them that you can't really. Like like me, I have a lot of matches that I can't I can't sit and tell you this is my absolute favorite. But uh, what's what's what what's the matches that kinda of stand out to you?
2: Um Wow, well, you're putting me on the spot here. Um I think I think one of the matches and I proudly show this match off to people, um, it was myself and Matt Houston, where we were going by the name Notorious, um, against the, they went by the Star City Rollers. It was Jimmy Janetti, a, um, a former ECW original from the old Eastern Championship Wrestling, and Jody Osborne. It was there, and um, it was there in Thomasville. Actually, I think I think you and I worked earlier that night, if, if I'm right. Yeah, we did um, under a hood.
1: Yep, um, sure did.
2: And it, it, we went. We probably went 30 minutes um, in that tag match, and we didn't call a single thing in the back. The only thing, other than the finish, yeah, everything else was was on the fly. Um, I did, the only the only thing that I may have said is um, to to Genetti, I told him if I, if I go for a pile driver on the outside, block two and backdrop me. I remember taking a huge backdrop on the floor and with no padding and that did not feel good at all. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I regretted that one. Um, that's probably one of one of my my favorite matches that I'll show to people. Um, um a, it it wasn't a five star match, but um, the night that um Bad News Johnson or QB as you were calling him, the night that he and I won the uh, NWA North American Tag Team Titles that actually happened here in Roanoke. Um, And that was a title switch. That was a title switch that we didn't know was going to happen. Um, they, they surprised us with it. Like, as I'm, as I've got the, uh, uh, it was Chris Escobar. As I've got him rolled up for the pin, as the referee's coming down, um, after he hits one, he goes, you're over champ. And, and the referee was counting so fast by the time that I could say what, he'd already hit three. Wow. So, that's awesome. You know, I had no clue. Um, which you know, I mean, it's it's all the work. I mean, I'm, I hate to expose the business, but it's already exposed. You know, I mean, everybody knows that it's it's all predetermined and everything. But you know, there's there's just certain moments, um, you know, in in your career that that'll kind of get you a little bit more than others. And yeah, and that one was really special too, um, because I, you know, my, my parents they've never they've never really been huge fans of me wrestling. Always afraid that I would get hurt but they were all sitting front row that night. So that was really cool.
1: Oh yeah. Um, I, I can relate to that. To have that, You know, um, uh, I'm sorry, let me interrupt you. But, um, you but what I was saying uh, as far as, you know, the, how, how that night made you <laughs> feel, <clears throat> I had something similar, similar to that happen to me one time. You know, I'm, I'm my, my parents were like yours. Now, now, now my dad came to a few of my matches, but my mom never. And in the history of the 20s, some years I've been a wrestler. My mom has only came to see me wrestle one match, but I, I wanted to make sure she was at this match because this was very important to me. Um, she was there the night that I got to team up <clears throat> with Ricky Morton um, to take on uh lover boy, Dennis of the midnight express and George South. And, uh, right. and when I was in there, um, I said, uh, I, I, I said, you know, no matter what I do after, after tonight, nothing else is going to matter nothing else is going to beat this moment because in this moment, um, both my parents were in the building watching me wrestle, but not only wrestle, but I was in, I was involved in the match of two of the tag teams that really made me want to be a wrestler as a kid growing up. Um, it don't get much better than that. So, so I can definitely, you know, relate to how you felt on that one, Drake. It's, it's-
2: It's always awesome when you've got, um, you know, when you're, you know, when you're able to to live out your dream in front of, in front of your, your loved ones, friends, family, whatever.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, what, what are are the other matches that, that that stand out in your mind as well?
2: Excuse me again. Um, gosh, I hate to say it, but I mean, I've, I've forgotten so many matches. I mean, they, over the years, they just mm. all kind of run together. I mm-hmm. um, want to, I tell you another another highlight, and I'm not going to be one of these people that says that I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a former WWE person because I'm not. Um, but you know, anybody that, that gets in the business, they, they almost everybody, they want to to be involved in W you know, with WWE in some fashion, you know, they, they want to say that they received a paycheck from WWE, um, you know, 2006, September, October, somewhere in there. I don't remember. Um, August, maybe the end of August. Um, but I was fortunate enough to to be booked for Monday night raw. And I was, um, I I ended up just being an extra, but it was still, I made it there. I was, Asked to be there, I got a paycheck from there. Right. Um, it, it was a one-time only thing, and yeah, you know, and and I don't, you know, I don't brag about it. Um, and I'm certainly not trying to come across that way now. But that's to me that that kind of said, hey, I've been somewhere where not a lot of people get to go. For sure. So I was happy, and I, you know, I could have hung up the boots after that if I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we. I mean, that was. That was another big highlight
1: for me. Well, you know, I'm I was sitting here just thinking this. You know, um, a, a lot of people um, are are successful, uh, and a lot of people that you know are successful, and you and don't and you don't really even know it. Uh, I mean, one of the things I'm thinking about right now is is our, our buddy on the other line here, Chris Plano. Uh, man, think about when he was running NDW Strong. Look at how many people came from NDW that become major stars. Own oh, WWE.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. It was, uh, I mean, yeah, totally. I mean, North Carolina, um, I, I want to say from 95 to 98, 99, it was just a breeding ground for, um, you know, both uh, WWF and, and, and WCW back then and even ECW to an extent, but. You know Matt and Jeff, the Hardy Boys. You had you know Amy Dumas, who became Lita. You had, gosh, Shane Helms, Shannon Moore, Joey Abs. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, it's just uh, there was so much talent coming out of here. It was uh, it was great. I mean, to work with some of those guys, it was just like wow. I mean, the next thing you know, they're you know they're they're on they're on to the main stage, and hey. That's what it's all about, you know, working your way up the ranks. And, and they had a shot. And they, they came at, at a time where high flying was being accepted into wrestling and, you know, all this other kind of stuff versus just the mat wrestling. And it was just a great time for the independent wrestling scene around here. And for some of those guys that made it to the national scene, uh, they made some very, very good money. And to this, to this day, they're still making good money, some mm-hmm. of them. Yep. Um, you, you know, you know, there's a few still out there, Matt and Jeff specifically at the Hardy boys, but Hey, they're still making money. They're still, they're still cashing a check and their names out there. And that's really what it's all about. We're trying just to get, you know, we're, we're chasing this dream. A lot of people chase the dream. Only so many people get there. And, and I think Tommy told a story tonight of, you know, he made it there. I, I, I think he made it there and I think he's still living it as well. And uh, boy, what mm-hmm. a great 21 or 22 year run you've, you've had at this professionally and even prior to that. Um, you, you know, it, 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 it's a great story to say that you were a part of something in 2006. Not many people can say that at all.
2: No. no, And, 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 and so, I mean, it was all a blur the way it all happened. And, you know, I, I I'll admit when I got my, when I got my paycheck, I made a copy of it and I've saved it and it's hanging on the wall downstairs. Oh yeah. How about, know, because, I've done the same thing. Know, by all means, I'm going to get that money, but you know, um, you know, I want something to remember that. And, and what was funny is, um, my tag team partner, you know, bad news. He went with me that night, mm-hmm. um, to Monday night raw and we got in the car to come home and he says, I've got something for you. I'm like, what? And he, he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out a script that they use that night. And I mean, and it's got, it's got the promos pretty much verbatim on there. The, the oh, cues, beautiful, the, the agent, you know, for this segment, uh, all that stuff. I mean, it, and he was like, I oh, you might want that. And he just found it laying around and he just grabbed it up before anybody had a chance to see it.
1: That's so, awesome.
2: Yeah. And, and actually the, uh, um, that segment that I that I was on ended up making it on one of the WWE um, DVDs that was released, so that was even cooler. Of course, I'm not getting any royalties on it, but eh, <laughs> whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's that's awesome. I She's love I love I love hearing stuff like that. Um, so uh, before we close the podcast, do, do uh, Drake, do you have any like funny road stories you want to share with the people?
2: Hmm road stories that I can tell and not get in trouble.
1: Yeah, that, those two.
2: Um, <laughs> hey, it, 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 it's a... It, I've got one that's a, that's a dumb story. and I, 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 I'm not advocating it, and I would never... I mean, I, I'm so against it nowadays, but again, you're young, you're dumb. You don't think about things. Right. We were, um, we were traveling down from Roanoke to do a show for, um, Dick Eddie Brown down in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And, um, we started, uh, when we were on the road all the time, we would, we would crack open a bottle here and there, you know, while, while traveling. Right. Um, always after some often before, um, so we, we started cracking open the the booze um, around Boone's Mill, which is only about 15 minutes outside of Roanoke. So we had a, a little over a three-hour drive. Um, I I was drinking the beer, um, and then bad news was drinking Everclear. Oh. So by the time that we got yeah, by the time we got there to the building in Fayetteville, we had gone through about a half a case of beer, um, and I realized that I've got all these beer cans and I don't know what to do with them but the building was right beside a used car lot. So we figured out how to slide the, uh, the zipper open on a, um a geo tracker because it's got the ragtop. top. Right. Also the beer cans in there and then zipped it closed again. <laughs> not, not a, not a smart thing to do by any means. And you know, now that I'm older and have kids and I don't do that kind of stupid stuff anymore, but that's, um, yeah, that's, that's one that I'll, that I'll share on there. I'll share oh. others off there.
1: Oh, that, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've, uh, hey, Chris, uh, off air, uh, Drake and I have, have, have shared some, some stories <laughs> and the, and, 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 I'm the, sure you and, and Chris, <laughs> Chris, the scary thing is our stories are a lot similar. It's just the, uh, participants are different,
0: <laughs> just, just different background scenery, different participants uh, in a different mm-hmm. town. <laughs> yeah. It's all yeah. The same. Yep.
1: Yeah, but it's always been it's, it's, it's good times, man. It's like it's like you know when when you first break into wrestling business, you're you're just so excited. Like I know I was like like when I first got in, I was just like, okay, I, I'm I'm a pro wrestler now. And then it was, then it went from that mm-hmm. to like, hey, you know I got I got back then I mean, anyway. Uh, I got great hair, you know. Uh, I'm 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 gonna live my gimmick, and man, I live my gimmick. You for, had great
0: hair. Uh, uh, th-
1: listen at one time man my, my mullet was cooler than ricky morton's <laughs> well, That very it was a long time ago though it was long, you, you 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 were probably still in the high school when i had my cool mullet though there there drake uh, probably yeah it was many moons ago but anyway well uh well, well drake thank you for joining us for our show man it's it's no, been it's been pleasure. fun man uh, going back thank and you. thank and, you guys uh, very much and uh, walking down memory lane and and and, and blowing Chris's mind. I, I knew that was going to happen. I
0: man, Drake, thank you so much. Gosh, you brought back some memories there of you, you know, uh, you know, just you know, south, you know, the southern Virginia area, the Roanoke Salem area, and even into the into the uh, you know the southern West Virginia area. What, what what great times to be a part of pro wrestling there and. And what a great time to jumpstart your career into the business. And I'm just so tickled pink that if New Dimension Wrestling even had an inkling of the jumpstart to your career, it it makes me tickle pink and puts a big smile on my face. The things that you've accomplished over the last, you know, 20-some-odd years, um, you know, no one will be able to tell the story but you and uh, and no one better to tell it but you as well. Um, so great tonight, and and so glad to be a small part of it.
2: Well, well thank you.
1: And and Chris, I, I I've already told Drake uh, once. Uh, New Dimension uh, makes a return. He's the first guy that's getting booked.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I might even give Rick Link a call as well. you uh, think? <laughs> you know oh,
2: but that would be, that would be great. And you're just talking about link real quick. And then I know you're trying to, to take it home here, Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, Rick and I actually ended up being on a show together several years later. I want to say, mm, uh, 2007, maybe. Um, and I, and I actually went up to him and was like, you probably don't remember me, but, and then I kind of filled him in and he, he remembered. So I thought that was really cool.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Really, really good stuff.
0: That's great. And, and even today, we're going to approach him again sometime in the near future. He'll remember it one more time, so it'll be even that much sweeter. That's That'd exactly
1: right. All right. Well, Drake, thank you for joining us again. Uh, and, uh, and, and and fans, make sure that, that you go like our Facebook page uh, and, uh, of course, go on, go on your, your favorite podcast platform and download your all the episodes of the Bench Buster Show, like our page, Uh, and show us some support and make sure you tune in next week as next week. I have, I've already got a promoter lined up going to be on the show talking about what it's like to put on a wrestling event now during the COVID-19, uh, to be able to still keep, uh, his name out there. Uh, so next week's show, I'm going to have the great, uh, Jason Freeman, the promoter for, uh, NAWA is going to be joining us next week. So make sure you tune in for that, uh, for Chris, I'm Tony Binge, and uh, for uh, Drake Tungsten, we will see you next week on the Binge Buster Show.
0: Thank you for listening to the Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.